This is LeBeau Students Talk Leadership, After Class Edition. Some of the best discussions with professors happen after class. In this season, we sit down with LeBeau faculty members to learn about their professional development, their time at Drexel, and more. So stick around after class as we learn more about our favorite instructors. Thank you everyone for joining us on this special episode of After Class. My name is Sam Gideon and I'm currently a second year behavioral economics student and I'm joined by my co-host Levi Smith. Hey guys, uh, my name is Levi. I'm also a sophomore here at Drexel pursuing a Bachelor of Science in Economics and a BSBA in Sports Business uh, with a minor in Data Science. Today we will be speaking with Professor Christopher Lanes, who is in the Economics Department at Drexel, and we'll be discussing his college experience, personal life, and hobbies, as well as some experiences abroad. Um, I had the opportunity to take my Intro to Macro class with Professor Lanes last year, and I uh, really enjoyed it, enough, to, enough so to actually switch my major to economics, so I'm very excited to, to learn a little bit about Professor Lanes today. Thank you very much for the invitation, both of you. I have a, an interesting, a little more specific question. Professor, I feel like I see you around campus a lot, whether it's outside LeBeau or at the gym, and uh, I always see you in the fisherman hat. Now, is that something you picked up here at Drexel, or did fisherman, you have that prior to here? Fisherman hat at Indiana Jones. Come on, Levi. <laughs> Indiana Jones. I've had people call that all sorts of different things. So, no, um, that, um, that hat was I, – I was – offered a conference at, in Chicago and we went to the field museum and that hat was there and I put it on and you know I'll, I'll admit it I'm very shallow uh, uh, a cute girl said I look good in the hat so I bought it it's, <laughs> yeah, just, it's I, as I'm good really of a just, justification as any <laughs> yeah so so I, I wear that hat all the time I haven't gotten that compliment again but <laughs> I have learned that it is distinctive yeah, I feel like it's definitely recognizable. Uh, we always, I always know who it is whenever I see it, you know? <laughs> um, how was your college experience, you know, coming back to teach at a secondary institution? Um, probably had a very positive effect on you. Well, uh, I mean, you know, I was a Drexel undergrad, so it was a bit, uh, uh, I'm sure if you ask other people this, it's a very different experience. So I was actually coming back to the place where I did my college, and um you know, it was, it was a bit odd at first, you know, because you think you kind of, you walk around campus and you remember all these things from when you were a college student and it's very different now. Um, I'm, I'm very pleased to say that Drexel University is a much better institution than when I went to school here. It improved significantly. Uh, the administrations in between did a great job of uh, raising the academic quality in particular. You know, my, my experience was I started as an engineering student. I was materials engineering. And I've been told all through my high school years that I would make a good engineer, having no idea what that really meant. And, you know, I liked the classes. That was fun and all. until And then I went on co-op twice and realized that that's not for me. I don't want to do that. Um, sort of got lost there a little bit. And then... There was a new major starting up here at Drexel called International Area Studies. It's now called Global Studies. And the director of that kind of grabbed me and said, Chris, this is what you should be doing. Uh, okay. And I did that, and I had a great time. Great experience there. Great. Um, I guess that sort of leads into our, our next question we had, which is what was the toughest part of your college experience, would you say? Were there specific classes, subjects, or just some, as oh. you mentioned, a co-op you ran into along the road? Um. So, yeah, there was some of that, you know, I guess uh, there are a lot of tough spots, but, you know, that not knowing what I was doing, 
and I've talked to a lot of students, um, especially in my Econ 203 class, like I invite them to come and talk about what they're going through, what they want to do. And I get a lot of students who are like, oh, I don't have a plan. I don't know what I want to do. I don't want to major in. I'm not sure where I want to go. And I remember being there, like when I was leaving engineering, I knew I was leaving engineering, but I had no idea where I was going to go. It was a very weird experience to like not have a path in front of you. Um, and looking back on it, while that was stressful in its own way, um, I now kind of realize like that was normal. Like most people go through something like that. Um, and you don't need to have a plan in the middle of your undergraduate. You don't even need to have a plan while you're doing your master's. Um, just, uh, you know, keep trying new things until you find what you like and, and you'll, you'll, it'll work out. So I think like a problem that I've seen myself throughout my college experience is not knowing to, not knowing when to ask for help. Um, so what or who throughout your life uh, did you turn to to make major career decisions? Was there a mentor you had in particular that you would uh, confide in? Yeah, so when I was doing my own undergrad, there were a couple of faculty who were absolutely key in helping me get on the path that I went on. Um, Dr. Vivian Thweet, who was the head of International Area Studies, was one of those. She was the one who kind of told me like when I was talking to her about, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was going to transfer out of Drexel. It's like, no, 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 you're going to do this. <clears throat> and it wasn't a question. She just told me. <laughs> I just did what she said. She was a big influence. There was a political science professor, uh, Dr. Diane Singerman, who had a big influence, sort of slowly started to direct me towards um, public policy and a public interest. She was a political science professor. She was awesome. Um, and there are a few others, uh, actually Douglas Porpora, who's still here, um, and Dr. Roy Kim. So there are a number of different faculty I remember talking to and sort of, you know, one of the things I learned then, uh, and then relearned that again in my graduate programs was don't hesitate to go talk to your faculty. Don't, um, they've been there, they've done that. And even if they haven't been through exactly what you've been through, they can often refer you to somebody who has, who can help you out. Um, getting to know your faculty is critical on many dimensions. And uh, I think you guys know me well enough and hopefully my other students know that I'm, my door is always open to help undergrads, always. And I'll be honest, um, when you ask that question, I feel like my faculty member is you. So <laughs> <laughs> this might tie in to the last question, but what is one thing that you wish you knew as a college student? I, so this is gonna sound silly, um, in a way, because I was thinking about this question when I looked at your list of questions. This is what I was having the hardest time with because I was coming up with a couple different possible answers, but none of them sounded great. But then it sort of occurred to me one of the pieces of advice I give graduate students a lot is you need to learn how to learn. And even as an undergraduate, like I, I did fine in classes. I wasn't, I got reasonably good grades, you would say. Um, but I didn't really know how to study. And I didn't really learn that until I got into the graduate programs because Drexel, um, you know, one of the sort of as good and bad in terms of how fast paced and how intense Drexel can be. Most students are taking five, six classes. I was taking 20 credits a quarter for like eight quarters straight to get caught up. And I'm sure a lot of people out there who are listening can um, know what that feels like. Um, but you're doing so much all the time, you never really have time to sit down and do something in depth. And because of that, you kind of learned how to study a lot of material really quickly. 
And then you kind of forget about it like within 48 hours after that final exam, which is not so good. And it wasn't until I got to graduate programs and I did my master's and like, oh, we only have to take three classes? Piece of cake, I'm used to doing twice that many. And yeah, well, they changed how much work you do in three classes when it's just like that. And then, but you really do have the time to sit down and take the material in, in depth. So I, I wish looking back on it that I'd had the time and the resources, but at least the knowledge to understand how to really study something more carefully in depth rather than just learning how to get through the material, get to the exam and move on, which was unfortunate. I think there's a better way to do it. Um, if you can find the time. So what would you say, I guess, in a more personal life question, uh, what are your hobbies and or leisure time <laughs> activities now? And along with that, uh, how did you spend your time uh, while you were in school? And do you still keep in touch with any friends you made while you were in college? Oh, absolutely. So the, the glue that sort of kept me here at Drexel was actually the radio station here, WKDU. I was there, I was a DJ, I was a program manager. I had a, an incredible set of friends, weird, really weird set of friends. Um, and I fit right in with that group. And we did all sorts of things that probably I don't want on public record. Um, <laughs> we went to see pretty much every band that's out there. Uh, tons of bands that you guys know now that we saw in tiny, small spaces like the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Nirvana. Um, you know, I saw Nirvana down on 2nd Street in a room with like 40 other people. So we had a blast. So that, that kept me going. And there was another part of your question, Levi. I'm sorry. What was it? Yeah. So I was sort of asking how, how much of that is carried over to your life now. And are you still in oh. touch with those friends from school? Uh, absolutely. I was actually in touch with them over the weekend. We're planning a get together. Uh, so yeah, your college friends, uh, what was told to me, and I think this is true, like your college friends tend to be your closest friends throughout your lifetime, just because you share so many experiences and you tend not to lose touch. And that's been true for me. I'm still in touch with high school people. Um, but the college friends have been pretty critical. Um, I, I did want to add on to that. One of the things that working at the radio station, so student activities are really important. I sort of figured that out later on, but in working at the radio station and taking sort of an administrative position there, I kind of learned what some of my strengths and some of my weaknesses were, uh, where I had some, had some leadership skills that I could apply and I've actually used that sort of various stages of my career. Um, learned a lot doing that, actually. So yeah, so that leads to my next question. Uh, how long have you been teaching the classes that you teach now? And what would you consider your favorite classes to teach? Are there any domains that you specifically really enjoy teaching? So let's see. Uh, well, I've been at Drexel now since 2003. Um, I've been teaching the principles of macro class since I got here. So I enjoy teaching that. And it's sort of interesting to watch how that's changed over over time, not so much in the content, with the content has changed, obviously, because macro just, we got new stuff to talk about. Um, I couldn't talk about the COVID pandemic 20 years ago, but now I can, and it's a makes for a great final exam question. But I also, let's see, the Econ 203, the Survey of Economic Policy, which is kind of the freshman seminar class. I don't know how long we've had that. That's about 10 years old now, 10 to 12 years old. Uh, that was a class I originally developed to fill the need of like, you take Econ 201 and 202 fall, winter, then we had no real course for you in the spring. So I put that together. That's one of the, that's probably my favorite class to teach. 
because um, we get to do a lot of fun things. We get to explore economics in, you know, different areas of economics, and I get to know the students really well. Um, so I enjoy that class quite a bit. Uh, I just, I'm just finishing it up now. I'm grading final papers. It's been another good class, another good group. Of all the things I love to do outside of um, teaching you guys, uh, traveling is probably my favorite thing to do. That's a, that's a great, a great feed into our next question. So where has been your favorite place to visit? And is there anywhere in particular, uh, like on your bucket list that you want to go? Uh, we'll be here for another hour if I go through the bucket <laughs> list. The first foreign country I ever went to was Japan. I like, as soon as I was done with undergraduate, I just moved to Japan. Having never been there, I'd studied the language, but that's just not the same. And so Japan will always hold a very special place in my heart. Uh, and I was in Tokyo, I guess it was March 2019. Yeah, about a year before the pandemic. And it was the first time I'd been back to Japan where I could just go run around and play and do what I wanted to do without visiting in-laws or taking the family here or there. I could just go do what I wanted to do. And I had a blast. I was driving a Mario Kart through the streets of Tokyo. That was great. I literally, that's what I was doing. Uh, best hundred dollars I ever spent. Um, so yeah, Tokyo, Japan in general is a particularly special place. Uh, top of the bucket list right now. Ah, uh, boy, that's, that's, so let me just say, like, I've been to Europe quite a few times, but I've never been to either London or Paris, which is sort of nuts. Um, so those are probably my top two right now is to get to those two, you know, global cities and go. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess like on the, on the topic of international travel, uh, I do remember from taking your class, you mentioned that you had some experience abroad, working abroad uh, in Indonesia, I believe. Would you mind speaking a little bit uh, on that for our audience? Sure. Um, so after my master's degree, um, I wound up getting a job with what was then called the Harvard Institute for International Development. So they had a bunch of projects all over the world, mostly focused on, you know, various international development projects. And the one that I got hired to work in was run out of the Ministry of Finance in Jakarta, Indonesia. Um, so I was hired as like, you know, one of two master's level people to basically do research support for the PhDs who were there. And the whole office is there to provide advice to the Minister of Finance in particular, but also some of the other ministers in the government. Um, you know, sort of providing sort of an economic analysis of various things. And I was hired to do trade and industry in particular. Um, that too was a fantastic experience. Um, you know, Indonesia's an amazing country with a huge diversity. It's a, it's a big country. It's one of the, sort of like the biggest country that people have never really paid attention to or heard of, but it is an amazing place and wonderful people. Um, and, you know, we lived, you know, I didn't have, you know, a big time, Harvard PhD type of salary like my colleagues did. So we lived in a, a middle-class neighborhood and, you know, it's primarily a, a Muslim country. So we, I would, would wake up at four in the morning with the call to prayer from right down the street every day, but our neighbors, it was fantastic. We had, a, we made good friends there. Uh, the food was wonderful. Um, you know, and I guess I'll just add in there. So I went there in the summer of 1996. And in the summer of 1997, the Asian financial crisis started. It was not my fault. I promise you, I, I didn't do that. <laughs> um, and I was there for another year. So I 
did see like upfront a full blown international financial crisis. And like, so it's one thing to study as an academic, so it's fascinating that way, but you see how badly people's lives are affected when you see it up front and you saw it, you saw the number of homeless just increase. You watched all the construction sites shut down and everybody lose their jobs. Um, you saw there was rioting, like seriously dangerous rioting. Um, and, you know, those people were pretty angry for good reason. But hopefully not in a, a circumstance or event like that. I feel like living abroad or, or having the opportunity to work abroad is definitely something that um, hopefully I know I want to capitalize on and hopefully those in our, uh, in our audience will have the experience to do the same at some point in their lives. Yeah, I would, uh, like anybody's ever sat down and talked to me about what to do. I pretty much always tell everybody, go study abroad, go, go abroad, go abroad, go abroad. It's just, you'll grow so much from that. And you'll have a come back with a new, and I would think better perspective on things back here at home. They have a better, you'll be able to put it in better context. Um, very random question, but is there anything that you would like pose as your first fun fact or special skill that you'd like to share with the listeners? Special skill? Um, no, no, but I'll, I'll throw this out there because I can always use the help. Um, so as we talked about a little bit earlier, I lived in Japan for three years and I put a lot of time into learning the language. And, you know, my wife is Japanese and we watch anime all the time. And so I'm able to keep up with that language. So I'm not really good at it. But I, if you drop me in the middle of Tokyo, I'll survive. I'm fine. Um, but in preparation for going to China, I've been taking the Chinese classes here at Drexel, um, which has been so it's a you know, it's, it's fun because I'm in classes and like I do not care what my grade is because there's absolutely no bearing on anything. I'm not applying for grad school. I'm not looking for a job. I can just take the classes for pure fun. And I'm having a great time and the, the instructor's fantastic. But so like I'm trying to learn this other language. And so if there's any students out there that speak Chinese and want to help me practice, please, please come see me. You know, I, I could, I need, I need all the help I can get. It took Mandarin for about like seven years and I don't remember anything, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> was not my strong suit. Is there any other like additional comments or advice you have for current Drexel students uh, or anyone that's listening um, as to, you know, just things to look out for throughout their tenure or just really any piece of advice you may have? Uh, I guess I would just go with so the, the things I find myself saying to many, many students often during conversations when things come up. Uh, one, you know, when you have questions or something's worrying you, whether it's your know, academic or even personal, don't hesitate to come see us, the faculty, or go see your advisor. Um, trust me, you're not the first student that's going through whatever it is you're going through, uh, pretty much. We're, we're more than happy to help, more than happy to help you sort out as best as we can, you know, like what's going on. Um, you know, and just come talk to us um, on, on a more academic slash career wise note, you know, go get to know your faculty. We're the ones who are going to write letters for you one day. Um, and it's helpful when we know who you are. Um, I occasionally, we'll get a student who would take me in their freshman year. I wouldn't see them for four or five years. And then they'd be graduating and they would ask for a letter of recommendation. And by that point, you know, I'm getting old. My memory is good, but it's not that good. Um, if I haven't talked to you in four or five years, it's not clear what, what I can say in a letter of recommendation. Um, but come chat with us. Tell us how you're doing. Tell us what you're up to. Uh, we're happy to hear that.
Um, so that'd be my advice. Like, don't, you know, the, the faculty are here, like, to teach classes, but there's a lot more to it than just that. Well, I just wanted to thank you for taking the time to chat with us. And uh, thank you, Levi, for being a great co-host. Thank you both very much for the invitation. It, it's been an honor. Uh, and hope to talk to you both again soon. This has been LeBeau Students Talk Leadership, a podcast from the Dean's Student Advisory Board of Drexel University's LeBeau College of Business. Opinions expressed are awesome, but may not reflect the views of the college or university. Thanks for listening and join us again for our next episode.